Welcome to another episode of One Hit Wonderful World, where we shine a weekly spotlight on a band or artist known primarily for a single track and ask the question, should we have kept listening? My name is Cody Nelson, alongside my close friend and co-host Kyle Kimblin. Hello, Kyle. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Excellent. Good to hear it. This week, we're talking all about the people who sing I Want Candy, Bow Wow Wow, not Sha Na Na. Learned that the hard way. What? <laughs> I got them mixed up. It's not important. We're going to talk about their career at large. We're going to talk about their hit released in 1982 on the band's Last of the Mohicans EP. And as always, we're going to talk about the follow-up, 1983's When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. Uh, we're joined today by a close friend of both of ours, hey. Andrew Erickson. Hello. Hey, you don't need to lean so far back from the mic, buddy. I also maybe don't need to lean so close. I'm just relaxing. comfortable on whatever Max and all cool. Whatever this guy's called. Yeah. Cajon. Let's maybe Cajon. limit the cajon playing just for the microphone's sake, but I do love your creative instincts. <laughs> I mean, all the, all the uh, thundering drums in this... Right, track or just really, just for sure. Like you can't even contain it. There's gonna be like eight cajones on that track. <laughs> <laughs> Bow uh, full of cajones. Uh, we'll talk about why you picked this song in a second. I just want to mention this is the first time that we've come across uh, uh, an album that is not super easily available. 
Yeah. It's not on Apple Music or Spotify, I don't believe. It's not on YouTube. The CD is out of print. I'm sure the record is out of print, but I couldn't find the CD. I it's was able to find it. I did a deep dive into some weird, like, foreign cassette-based blog don't and win. found their entire discography posted. So, uh... If, if you need to find it, if you want to find it, email one at wonderfulworld at gmail.com. Ha! I got you. Now you have to email us. Because uh, you have to. You have to email listen. us. And yeah, uh, exactly. I'll point you in the right direction. I'll help you find the records. Um, ooh! We did get an email. Oh my gosh, are we going to read an email? We're going to read our first email. Uh, I, I don't know who this is from. It says his name is Alex Foley. Um, Alex Foley, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for emailing. Oh, he's not calling. It. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume you're a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, this is the the subject of the email says back then with three N's, and he says, "Yo, I guessed the back then question correctly about Coolio. Please send my twenty dollar Olive Garden gift card recording." <laughs> uh, see, now that was a twenty dollar gift card to somewhere. It was Subway, I believe. Yeah, was that what it was? Subway? Subway. And Do they have those where you're from, Alex? Wherever you're from. Thanks, Jazz. I don't know if you're a jazz music fan or something. Um, jazz. We can't prove Thank you, Jazz. Yeah, that's a, I, I want to thank Jazz for just all the the harmonies and the crazy, you know, the sharps and flats. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. It's dissonant, but it's beautiful, just like that email. Um, we will sort this out off the air. <laughs> okay, thank you for emailing. Thank you for the email, though. Uh, finally broke the seal. There we go. First email in the bag feels good. Andy, why did you choose Bow Wow Wow? Uh, well, or, or actually, before we get into that, what uh, what do you think about I Want Candy? Why, why this song in particular, I guess? Do you have a personal connection to it? Right. Um, well, you know, it was one of those songs that, like, who hasn't heard this song? In some form or another. Like, right. who doesn't know the chorus? Sure. Uh, and one day, <clears throat> I was just, you know, driving down the freeway, came on the current, good old current, um... And I was like, holy shit, this is, like, a super good song. Yeah. The, the the guitar lick that just, like, keeps going, the pounding drums, the, like, kind of silly little lyrics about I want candy. I, you know. It's, it's just super it's energetic. It was, like, undeniable. a beautiful sunny day. I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> totally. So, and then I did a little bit of investigating, and the rest of their stuff didn't seem like it was as good anyways. It's this was this was a perfect opportunity then to like really uh, give him the old college try. If I like dive into Bow Wow Wow, yeah. uh, I uh, you know what? In I'm just gonna keep having my introductions. Like my Skilo, the song last week. I didn't hear that song until it was the cover on that stupid Punk Goes Crunk compilation. Yep. I didn't hear I Want Candy until it was Aaron Carter. See, and that's, that's my right. connection. Yeah, right. I okay, you too. Oh, I feel so much I better. I forgot about that one. <laughs> See, I think I think mine is a little more multifaceted, and Andy probably knows what I'm talking about here too. But um, so, like, yeah, I remember watching like the Lizzie McGuire show on mm-hmm. the Disney Channel or whatever, and I like really definitely remember that episode with Aaron Carter because like Lizzie's got a big crush on him because like Who did I had a big crush on him. <laughs> and yeah, he likes. There's the those, Aaron Carter those cover. Cargo pants. Right, you know? it's those cargo pants and uh, the bandana. You wear a lot of bandanas and like oversized sweatshirts. <laughs> exactly, and but more than that, um, also it was probably reinforced because Husker Du, local Minneapolis hardcore punk band, does a cover of this song, but they change the lyrics to instead of, instead of I want candy, they change the, uh, the chorus to Hari Krishna. And that's on that's on their album Zen Arcade, their double album Zen Arcade. That's awesome. People out there, you gotta know who Screw Do. You gotta know Zen Arcade. Yeah, for sure. 
if you haven't heard it, go out and listen to it right after you listen to Bow Wow Wow. <laughs> and, and this podcast. And it'll be a very seamless transition. Um, okay, so I didn't know much about Bow Wow Wow going in. I had a feeling they were the type of music that they ended up being, but not to this extent. Mm-hmm. They are very good. They're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, I, was, I, was, I was like wondering, is this, you know, this album, how does this rank as far as, you know, you guys have listened to a lot of shitty albums now at this point. This is towards the top for me, for sure. Yeah, as far as what we've listened to for this podcast, I would definitely say it's towards the top. It definitely, I mean, like, as far as 80s music goes, I can tolerate this way more than the Modern English album. Oh my god, yes. Uh, it's up there with Macy Gray, I think, in terms of, like, good albums. That we've listened to. Yeah, definitely way different than Macy Gray. I will say this is the most an album has exceeded my expectations because I saw New Wave in the description. I was like, I'm going to have to sit through a fucking New Wave album. And I don't think that's what they are at all. They explore a lot of like post-punk, even surf rock, really twangy guitars. It's a lot of different sounds. Like, I'm sorry, Vampire Weekend's all over this thing. Or not Vampire Weekend, but like Paul Simon, that world beat. Yeah, Kind of like, it's it's half that and half like Susie and the Banshees. I could like I hear savages a little bit in it, like that stomping post-punk stuff. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would call them new wave just because of is that the what time they came out. Okay, I mean, like new wave is an extension of post-punk as far as I'm concerned. Well, um, do you have a first track to play? Um, yeah, I feel like you know what? It's it's a good rule of thumb. Let's just start with the opener. Sure. This is track one. This is aphrodisiac. There's just the these drums all yeah. over it. Yes. Like, like most I want like candy drums on every sounds. track. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Uh, I heard it a little bit on this one, only because like the vocals are a little less accessible on this song than they are on I Want Candy. But when we get into track two, it's when I have this realization like, oh, almost every single one of these songs is trying to go after that I Want Candy thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's well, kind of what I, that's kind of what I got from a lot of these. It's like they. I don't know if it was that song or maybe that album because I wasn't really alive then, but they like struck gold and then maybe try to like keep it going or I, or I don't know. Well, to me, I think, see, I'm not familiar with their, the rest of their catalog. I think this like drumming style in particular is like what they do. I think this is, yeah, that is their sound. Which led me to the next point I made, or uh, the thought I had, I suppose I should say, which was I could see any of these songs being the one hit they had. True. Sure. Because like they're they're very kitschy. They exist in the same world to me, at least, as like kind of the B-52s. Yeah, they're not similar. Not similar in sound, but like they're very tongue-in-cheek, on the nose a little bit. Exactly. Uh, but impressive musicianship. Yeah, they're super good. And like here, this guitar thing is doing doing like a surf guitar thing. Yeah. Those, those open chords with with reverb in the background there. They found a way to remain incredibly 80s but not sound dated. Like, they, they took all the things that kind of, I think, represent the underground scenes of the 1980s and kind of condensed it down into a, an album. Yeah, for sure. You know, what I hear is, like, talking heads, too, in that in the word beat kind of thing. I think there's, like, the rhythms in particular kind of remind me of, like, um, speaking uh, in tongues era, there. talking heads. Yeah, um, I, I did. I got a lot of... It was... This album was less me... Thinking of things to talk, or like thinking of things that I appreciated about each single track, but more just hearing like influences and what it was influenced by as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, Andy. What did you think? What were some songs that's like or, or moments that stood out to you? Uh, well, to me, I mean, I always whenever I hear surf rock, I think of like Quentin Tarantino. Sure, but that's just 
associations that I've made through consuming the media I consume. And then, so, like, hearing that, or, like, all the kind of surfiness of this album, but also the, I mean, most of the lyrics are, like, not that serious. Mm -hmm. No. Are kind of just, like, dumb, even, a lot of them. Very playful. And so, and, like, I mean, like, the song, like, I Want Candy, uh... I can almost see that, like, in a Quentin Tarantino movie while, you know, somebody's getting their head smashed with a bat or something. <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. The lyrics seem ironic and very second fiddle to the But that's music. But that's only probably because it's, like, 15, 20 years removed from it or whatever. Well, and I also just think that's sort of, like, an yeah, irreverent like attitude that yeah. they taken, have taken from post-punk and, and the Malcolm McLaren influence who got the band together. I mean, I hear Public Image Limited a lot on this, um, which was John Lydon's band or Johnny Rotten's band after the Sex Pistols. A lot of, like, the bass lines are kind of, like, dubby like that and, like, post-punky the way they yeah. move around. Um, not too busy, but it also really reminds me, did either of you guys hear um, Bombino, specifically his latest record? So he's a guitarist from West Africa, specifically okay. Niger, and this band sounds so much like his album. It's funny that you bring up the African influence because this band came into a good amount of hot water. They say they're, they're paying homage to African music, but a lot of people think they plagiarize it. Appropriating it? Appropriating it, um, straight up kind of just stealing uh, like drum beats and drum patterns for their own music. Um, going so far as to even... Uh, have taken original Zulu lyrics and transformed them into what I guess are known as mondegreens. Mm -hmm. uh, a mondegreen is when uh, a lyric is reassociated as something that is incorrect as opposed to the original intent. So the mondegreen was derived from this, this writer, I believe her name was Sylvia Wilson, who heard lay him on the green as Lady Mondegreen. So she named it mondegreens when you misinterpret a lyric. And so this band allegedly went and took uh, Zulu songs with lyrics in that language oh. and rehearing them as something in English, and then they named their first album that, which or second album, Sea Jungle, Sea Jungle, Go Join Your Gang, Yeah, City All Over, Go Ape Crazy. Ooh. They, so that's kind they, of nonsense. They did it. Essentially, they did that. Hmm. Uh, you know, Paul Simon was also criticized for that, for Graceland. But he at least didn't he work with... Uh, uh, Lady Black Mambazo, or what's their name? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, Lady Smith Black Mambazo. That's it, yeah. Um, he did, but like he got criticism over, I mean, the same thing. Um, his the angle on his situation was a little bit more like he didn't um, give the musicians enough credit because, like, it's a Paul Simon album. But, like, I just for me personally, like, Graceland, like, we all know that album, and that album yeah. is amazing. The music on it is fantastic, and I think it's really just more a consequence of the fact that it sold so well Sure, that he received that criticism. In that case... I'm going to play another song. This is the closer. This is Love, Peace, and Harmony. This is the song that I would point people most towards to say this is what people are getting at when they're mad about the, kind of the lifting of African rhythms. <laughs> It's in all of the songs, almost all of them. Mm -hmm. Like, the constant, they might go a, a post-punky direction or more of a, like, surf-rocky direction, but the constant is the drums yeah. in this record. All 12 songs, I think, have 
that very like booming like this is tribal. Yeah. And coming from four Englishmen, or I suppose why? Well, you know, I should say that about the three guys. Mm -hmm. The woman, which what is her name? Isabella. Annabella Lewin is Burmese. So. Um, it's impressive, I think, the fact that. I mean, is this one drummer? I'm. Yeah. I mean, the band's only four. The band's only four people. Oh, what are you saying? Did they bring in people to drum on the album? Yeah. Well, what is it? Like? Stack tracks up to make it sound like it's more overdubbing. Overdubbing. Yeah. It could be. It could be. I mean, either way, it's impressive just to like. Because even with, if you think about her, a lot of times they overdub her so that she sounds like she's like five ladies. Yeah. She's obviously just one. For sure. Vocally, she is incredible. She's very, very versatile. And she's only 17. Yeah. She's 17 on this record. It's absolutely insane. And this was the last thing they did together. She was discovered by Malcolm McLaren, that's his name, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at 13 years old. What was she doing? And going, going so far, when Sofia Coppola made the movie Marie Antoinette, uh, she was inspired heavily by Annabelle Lewin and used a lot of Bow Wow Wow music on the soundtrack oh. because Marie Antoinette was stumbled into fame and fortune at a very young age, so she drew a lot of parallels between the two. Interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but the flip side of that is that a lot of these lyrics are vaguely sexual and a little bit uncomfortable to listen to when it comes from a 17 year old. Yeah, I definitely thought. Just based on a couple, yeah, that she was probably like 25 or something like that. Yeah. She's 17 in this. On the last of the Mohicans EP with I Want Candy on it, she's pictured naked on the album cover. She's only 15. Yeah. It's, um, I read on Wikipedia that her mother uh, spoke to Malcolm McLaren about like him being, her being in the band and how he didn't want, she didn't want um, Annabelle to be. Uh, portrayed as a sex, sex kitten was the quote. Yeah, um, that was the caveat to let them take her on tour was to not portray her in the, the media as a sex kitten. But I mean, and like, then they released that out that EP with that cover. Exactly, with their like, biggest hit on it. What is going on here? And the lyrics all over this. I mean, and then they then they go on. They release the album that we're we're talking to we're talking about today, and then they break up or they don't break up after that, but they kick her out of the band because tensions were getting too high. The U.S. tour didn't go too well. Um, People start like a couple people. A couple members die young, and it's just it's a storied history, to the point where there are no original members in the band right now. But the band is still actively touring. Yeah, that's right. Um, it is a, just a Frankenstein squad of people that did not found the group, which is like, interesting. Like Danny DeYoung and the Music of Sticks. Yeah, Dennis DeYoung. Is it Dennis? It's Dennis. Well, Andy, <laughs> isn't he an original vocalist? Uh, anyway. Andy, is there a song that sticks out to you that you like to listen to? Uh, yeah, I remember. Uh, Man Mountain. Man Mountain that's was like nine. It, I I got kind of like an Irish folky Celtic lullaby. Like, totally. Yeah. Here's um, nine, Here's track nine. And it was there was that and then that song and I think it was uh, it was either the the Mario song or the Tommy Tucker where it's like deals more with like salvation and like this one it's delivered his soul unto me. Yeah, it's it's kind of just kind of two passages repeated. Feels very these like, kind of like interesting spiritual. I don't know. Is ballad the right word or like? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's definitely a ballad. Could be. This is definitely the only song I believe without drums on the record. The only yeah. song this slow. Right. This is just like a breakaway from 
the you know sound that they've been doing basically. Yeah, most of the song, most of the album is are these sonic assaults. Really, it's like it's very yeah. maximalist. Most right. of the time, they like get going, and then it's just like phew, they're full speed ahead the whole right. song. Right. It's like guys, we get it. You can play really fast. <laughs> But it, it's it's funny that they they focus so hard on like hitting you with it mm -hmm. because when they slow down, it's still very compelling music. I think. Yeah. I think the slower tracks work really really well. For sure. It's. I mean, there's only a couple of them. Only a few of them really. Um, I found myself like listening for for parts that weren't so maximalist, like within individual songs. Like I tried to be like. You know, because when I think about a song, and, and music in general, it's all about contrast, it's about tensions and releases, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the songs are just lots of, are lots of tension, they build up a lot of tension, and the release is like the end of the song. Right, yeah, this exactly. This like just release. Right. That's why this song exactly. was great, because it was a welcome break from the onslaught that was tracks one through eight. And it's good, it just, um, going off of what you said, Kyle, I, I listened to it and I, I felt like I was having trouble finding things to enjoy about it because I blinked and it was over. Yeah. It was just going so fast that I didn't really have time to, to grasp onto what was what I enjoyed about it. Um, yeah, I also have the song Love Me starred and a little note, Chill. Chill? Uh, this like, is track five, Love yeah. Me. I also like this one and this is the one that definitely gave me um, Public Image Limited vibes, or okay. like even Gang of Four vibes, just like sure. the bass line. Yeah. And they kind of slow down, like the guitar's not, you know, he's just like sort of making noise back there. He's not like playing a lead. And then he goes into this lead and it's sort of just this slow, repeated, yeah. um, repetitive, repeated idea. They get pretty atmospheric without trying to, mm -hmm. just, just accidentally. Um, a lot of these songs, I, I was struggling to try and find a way to verbalize it, but it's like, they seem like they could soundtrack a scene in a movie, probably maybe even a Tarantino movie, where there's like a dream sequence, and they're trying to establish that the main character is in a place where they're not supposed to be. Mm. Like really weird, like disorienting, like, hey, you're not at home anymore, buddy, like you're in trouble now. Like that. Like all the members of this band and the music that they're appropriating. Yeah. From other cultures. Right, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say, keep going with this image. I don't know what kind of place are they? <laughs> this is sort of got, um, like Indian vibes, I think. What vibes? Indian style vibes. Oh sure, yeah, like a, a Bollywood ballad almost, kind of. Yeah, yep. Where is Burma? Do you know? Um, I believe Burma is... It's gotta be near India, right? It's like tucked underneath Bangladesh, I believe. Okay. I could be totally wrong. I don't really know much about so, I mean, I mean, geography. Yeah. If her heritage came into play, maybe that's how those kind of sounds came in. Sure. My my gut said that maybe they they leaned so hard on these these African beats and like the the kind of Indian sounds here even Irish on Man Mountain it's weird they like refuse to be just a regular new wave band right they seem so dependent on like incorporating other cultures right well because when you think of new wave like I think of flock of seagulls well right I think of like cheesy synthesizers yeah you know and I think of Drums that are like somewhat in this style, but like not nearly pulled off this well. Not nearly this like complex. New wave and no wave are different things, right? Yes. No wave. Talking heads is no wave. Mm. Or 
No, I wouldn't say so. No, no. What is it? Can you name a notable example of a no wave band? Uh, James Chance and the Contortions. They, it's like a drummer, and it's just like he plays these really simple beats, but like loud and fast. And then there's like a sax player, and he's just like playing kind of whatever. Like it's sort of just like noise. So it's like free form. Yeah, you could think of it as like free jazz, but in more of, with more of like a rock attitude, I guess. It's it's arty music from like seventies New York, is what it is. Sure. So, what do you guys think about the album in general? This record. I probably will not revisit it much in my free time. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it was didn't didn't really like sway me in one direction or the other. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Did you go in with any expectations at all? Uh, other than that, it's not very popular and seems to be like out of print and not in very high demand. I assume like probably not. Sure. I kind of went into it thinking like probably not gonna wow me. <laughs> that wasn't gonna bow wow wow you. Wasn't gonna bow wow wow me. Sure. <laughs> Kyle, what did you think? <laughs> um, well, I do have something to add to that because there are actually some songs uh, off this album that made it onto a greatest hits that is readily available. I'm happy you brought that up. Which oh. brings me to a new segment called Greatest Hits. Oh no. Bow Wow Wow has three studio albums. How many compilation albums do they have? <clears throat> Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to go high. 20. And he says 20, Kyle. I think I know of two. I think I know of two. Okay. But I want to say three. They have nine. Oh, my God. So, I guess Kyle's still closer. <laughs> that's <laughs> like... But well, that's Price like, is Right rules. That's like... I'm pretty sure, like... It's like Queen and Bob Marley. Their like best-selling albums are their greatest hits. Yeah. The, the second like, best-selling album of all time, I believe, is Eagles' greatest hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people latch on to it. I just think it's crazy that a band would have three times the amount of compilation albums, and they have two live albums as well. So, what is on the comp- compilation albums? I don't know. None of them have hyperlinks on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it like covers or something? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a lot of covers. It's just you know I don't. It, this band, I found myself, again, more interested in, like, what they had going on besides the music. Yeah. Like, they there's just, a lot yeah, of controversy. Like the, the story behind it is more interesting, almost. The way they got together, you know, it's just... They bring this girl in, clearly uh, amused to this guy. I would say. I hope that that's all it was. Well, right. But, I mean, like, you know, you look at music back then, and what we know now probably wasn't, unfortunately. Uh, but... They have this revolving door of, of band members. Another thing I always find so interesting, like, why can a band never hold down? Like, yeah. Groups. They had, they had, like, 11 drummers. The guy from well, No Doubt drummed for well, them because for Because it was, yeah. like, it, they, like, brought it together. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's like Simon Cowell, like, Malcolm McLaren was, like, the Simon Cowell and just, you know, I'm going to find this talent and I'm going to bring him in and we're going to make... Exactly. He he strikes me as a, a person who almost takes advantage of, of people or, or a situation. Maybe he sees musicians as a dollar sign. Yeah. Um, but okay, the point I'm trying to make is I feel like this album was what he was going for. In? Just like when he envisioned Bow Wow Wow, like the apex of Bow Wow Wow, and I know that's a ridiculous sentence to say, given the band name. I think that he imagined this record, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like that was, 
And again, I mean, one-hit wonders and, like, bands being in a perfect storm always seem to go hand-in-hand. And I know we're a little bit after the EP that the hit was on, but I get the feeling that, like, everything kind of coalesced and they made it work one time, Mm -hmm. you know? And then it fell apart. She was kicked out of the band and they they went down the path into anonymity. I don't know. It just feels like for a moment this, this record seems like what he was hoping to accomplish as the group. He's an interesting person. I mean, we could probably talk about him for a long time. But specifically what I mean to say right now is that um, that song that I was talking about earlier in The Name Escapes Me, but that Andy showed me, it's got these uh, disparate samples. Like, he's around for the creation and largely responsible for the creation of punk. You know, like, he made the Sex Pistols. And then he gets into sampling, and he makes music that borders up against hip-hop. He had, like, a dance music career. Yeah, the the song is about her. That's what what it is. Exactly. And it's, like, almost Mm trip-hoppy. Huh. But... Yeah, and, and that was that, zombies. And that was made after this, right? That was made recently. Um, it wasn't recently. It was in the '90s, but it was definitely after Bow Wow Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, he just he always seems to be at the forefront of whatever is about to happen. Well, with Andy saying that he's a Simon Cowell of a, a type, I mean, yeah, totally. And it's just interesting that you got to give him a little bit of credit because he's clearly a visionary and. The style that they bring to the table where they have these African rhythms, they have these Celtic sounds, these uh, East Indian or, or uh, you know, that part of the world. Also just, like, talented, no, that's also really just like really talented musicians. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's just got an eye like, oh, you're going to be, you're a good guitarist, you could be yeah. good on this. This will work together. This. Exactly. Uh, Andy, do you think there's a song on this album that you would say tried to replicate the hit of, of I Want Candy? Because I think there's a couple of them. I, mean, I, I want to hear what you think. I kind of think... Um, I mean, it seems like almost all of them, in a way, kind of try to. It's the same impression uh, love, I got. Love, Peace, and Harmony, the last song that we, we were talking about a little bit earlier, like, that one seems to me like kind of the distillation of the, just their sound. Like... From from first to last second, it's just like kind of nonstop. Um, it's got like five words to the whole song. Yeah, it just repeated. I'm pretty sure it just says love, peace, and harmony, whoa, whoa, yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think a good contender for that would be the song Mario, Your Own Way to Paradise. All right, this is track seven, Mario, Your Own Way to Paradise. Uh, before we play it, I'm sorry, I'm about to cough. <clears throat> the three songs in the middle there, six, seven, and eight, the parentheses. Did you notice those? I didn't notice them as being in order. Uh, so the names of track six, seven, eight are What's the Time, parentheses, Hey Buddy, Mario, parentheses, Your Own Way to Paradise, Quiver, parentheses, Arrows in My. I don't understand. There's, it's just kind of funny how they're compartmentalized to the middle of the record. Unimportant point I made, this is track seven. The reason that I think that this is a song that could be a contender for replicants of Our Candy um, is because the vocal in this song is probably the most accessible. It's the most like upfront in the mix. It's definitely like a huge focal point. You hear that? It's it's almost louder. Than it's it. mixed much different differently. They don't try to make it seem as cold. Exactly. 
So, you know, it might not necessarily try to copy it musically, but what I could see it being as like, this is going to be our hit off this record, guys. Because this, to me, this is Pat Benatar, this is Blondie, exactly. this is all of those, now we're in that kind of world. I like them the least when they do this kind of sound. Yeah. Like when they put her voice so on display, doesn't work as well for me. Yeah. To me, what was really uh, remarkable, I guess, about this song was like, it was the first song where the lyrics were actually kind of doing something. Sure. I mean, all the rest of these, like, Lonesome Tonight. Very vague love statements. Roused about, like, stupid word for, like, let's go party, you know. But <laughs> um, one of them, it's like, let's make a movie, like, what time is that? Yeah, that but, was, uh... But there's a... Uh, but this one was the first one where it was, uh, like, if you listen to the lyrics, it's like, I don't know what she means by half-breed, and, like, he follows his mother, because that's the white side or something. She's meaning, like, biracial, but anyways, it's like, then the dad, like, the mom and the son run away, the dad comes after them and kills the son, and then the mom is, like, or something like that. Is that Tommy Tucker? No, but then Tommy Tucker is another song about a male prostitute, I think. Uh, a mom and her son, like in like a rags to riches kind of story. Oh, like really? this one, it's like Mario, parentheses, your own way to paradise. So it's like this. I don't, I don't know. Like that was just at least with those two, and maybe and maybe for like a closer some of the other. Songs, but I was reading the lyrics as they were going along. Um, both of those songs, it's just like it's about a mother and a son. Hmm. Uh, Mommy issues, Malcolm? No. I'll <laughs> uh, stop right there. Um, I think we should. Uh, we'll close with the song that I think is the hit replicate because I think "Do You Want to Hold Me" is is definitely uh, a contender for that. So before we uh, start wrapping up here, I have a couple questions for you guys, Andy. How likely would you be to recommend this album to somebody else? Uh, unlikely. Very unlikely? Would you listen no, to it? Not very unlikely, just unlikely. Unlikely. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Uh, would you listen to it again? Would you put any songs of it on a playlist at all? Or are you just probably going to forget know, it probably, exists? I, you mentioned that you might forget I, it exists, which is fine. But I might, like, I was listening to this, like, kind of in a, I don't, you know, I've, I, I'd put it on my uh, speaker, see how it sounds on the on the sound system. Sure. You know? They're a charming band. Yeah. They I, I listened to the album twice today. The first time I listened to it, I really liked it. And then the second time, definitely Diminishing Returns. I see it as, like, probably a good album that I could get really annoyed with very easily. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to listen to twice. Yeah. I, um, I wrote down that um, it's the kind of music that I could... It makes me want to, like, smoke weed and listen to it, but I think... I did that. It didn't make it any better. Right. Well, the the next point, then, is that, but if I was going to be high, I would way rather listen to something else. (laughs) Well, and it's also... I mean, we've kind of been talking about, like, you know, the songs that remind us of the hit of I Want Candy. It's kind of like, when I'm hearing some of these songs, it's like, if I'm going to listen to this, like, I'd really rather just, like listen to I Want Candy on repeat like Again, four yeah. or five times yeah. because that song is like every th- all of these but just better in a lot yeah, of so why, Okay, why do you think that is? Do you think it's... Um, I mean... Well, it's not their song. It's, it's, not that, it's not that these ones are that bad or anything like that. I just... 
I don't know. I mean, I just like love that song. Yeah. The the guitar that they do on that song, I was looking for on here. They get they've got like some interesting guitar stuff on this album. Like in the song, the the slower one, uh, "Love Me," that had a like good guitar stuff, but for the most part, just that you know that like gets just infectious and like in your head. Yeah, these songs had that. It's it's almost like they took all of the the tribal influence and the really surf rocky guitars and immediately found like the best permutation of what could be done with all that on "I Want Candy," and then it's just like they there was nothing they could do like. They started with the best possible version of it, and we're just chasing that high. I could see that. Yeah, that's not I, their fault. I mean, you know what it also is? Maybe the what the Stranger Thens? What are they called? The 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 speaker houses? What was that band called? The Strange Loves. The Strange Loves. That's what it was. The band that did I Want Candy first. You know what? Maybe they just got lucky with a super great melody from the Strange Loves. I think that might be what it is too. Could be. It's easy for. I mean, it's easier for your one big hit to be a cover. It is. It is. Look at uh, Aaron Carter. Well, right. Seriously. I mean, he's got... Let's not sell Aaron Carter short here because he's (laughs) He's got... He's doing that perfectly fine on his own. (laughs) Also that. Um, Kyle, would you listen to this album again? I... Would you put any songs from it on a playlist or would you forget it exists? I would not really recommend this album to other people. Would I listen to the album again? Probably not. Would I put some songs on a playlist? No. Will I probably forget that it exists in a general sort of way? Yeah. I'll probably just forget about it and sure. never listen to it again. Okay. Yeah, what about you, man? Would you recommend this album to others? Um, no, probably not. Because, you know, the more I think about that question, the more I realize it, it's, I, I think about the music that I have, fr- like, what do my friends listen to? Realistically, nothing on this show yet is something I would recommend to somebody, even if it was great. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the Verve probably came the closest Verve probably came the closest, but I don't have, like, a buddy who's dying for something similar to Skilo, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I think I would listen to it again. I think I, uh, I, it's, it's charming. It would take me a while. I couldn't listen to it again very soon. Mm-hmm. It's something that I need, like, some time between because it, uh, it's, it's good, but it beats you over the f- head with the fact that it's good because of, like, how maximal and... Just like brash, it is. Yeah. What about favorite songs, Andy? Do you have a favorite song or, or a song you would cut first? Was there anything that stood out on either end of the spectrum? Um. I mean. I said before that the album kind of just I, I heard it as a whole and less separate pieces. Yeah, if you know the story right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I had some least favorite songs. Um, Ricky D. Ricky D was uh, weird. My, my note there was, I don't know, forgettable. <laughs> yeah, there were a, a, a lot of songs that were under the guise of another person, which I thought was interesting. Tommy Tucker, Ricky D, Mario. Very mm-hmm. weird that the songs are being written from another point of view. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Anything favorite or, or otherwise? I kind of, Aphrodisiac, the first song, grew on me. Yeah. Um, I kind of liked um, track five. I forget the name of it. Well, that was Love Me. Yep, um, but I would cut I would cut a few songs. Um, the the faster, more aggressive, maximal songs. I would cut a few of those just to balance it out. Sure. That being said, if you cut those, then you have a pretty damn short album. You have an EP because you're already at thirty four minutes. Yeah. So 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think songs like Aphrodisiac are what stuck out to me most when they kind of slowed things down a, a little bit and let things breathe and weren't so... Didn't need to play in cut time, like, just super fast tribal drums and, like, noodly guitar. Mm-hmm. It sounded like they were getting tired, and it, it makes the listener tired after a little a little bit. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I went in with with pretty high expectations, but by the, at the end of the second listen, I think I, I I liked it a little bit, but not as much as I did the first time around. It's funny because I liked it the least my very first time listening to it, and so, I so really like it more. Oh, okay. So yeah. we're going in opposite directions. Andy, was that the same for you? Uh, this is literally the second time I've listened to it. Okay. I only listened to it once before. That's fair. Well, do we have anything we want to say about the album before we we hop out of here? <laughs> Any final thoughts? Things that we haven't covered yet? Um, I think if you like specifically the the rhythmic aspects of this album and some of the some aspects of the guitar playing, check out that Bombino record. The name escapes me, but he's fucking awesome. He's like a West African Stevie Ray Vaughan, Ooh. but like he's he's a great lead guitar player. Just really cool, like kind of palm wine guitar style. These really cool, interesting African melodies. It's dope. Sweet. Did you say palm wine? Palm wine. Palm wine guitar. It's like a... It's a style of music because I believe the guitars are made of... From a palm wine tree. Huh. It's been a while since I took my Just world music class. Yeah. Look, dusting off the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just a particular style of African music that's definitely intri- influenced pop music here in the West. Okay. A lot, so. Cool. Bambino. Got Bambino. It. Andy, so. any final thoughts before we hop out of here? Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, having us listen to Bow Wow Wow. Yeah, thanks for yeah. indulging me, I guess. I <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really, uh, well, this is definitely I, under I, duress. I, yeah, I pick it and you guys, I'm like, listen to it. You forced us in the room, you set up all my equipment for yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a very traumatic 45 minutes. Is there anything you want to plug? Plug? Yeah, do you want to plug anything? And he's very accomplished. Cook. Oh, jeez. Uh, excellent cook. Excellent cook. Easily. If you're ever playing Catan at his apartment at 3 in the morning, he'll likely make you something. Yeah. yeah. It'll be great. It is going to be delicious. It'll be a spit on a classic. So stop by Andy Eric's apartment. It'll sober you up and, and then also intoxicate you at the same oh, time. Geez. Yeah. So uh, that's the plug. Stop by Andy's house at 2 in the morning and he'll cook you ramen with, with a twist. A hell of a twist. Okay. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. Okay. For sure. <laughs> no problem. Kyle, what are we doing next week? Um, what the fuck are we doing next week? Uh, are we doing, we're doing Bobby McFerrin, right? Are we? Are we doing, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin? Are you sure we're doing the guy that sings Don't Worry, Be Happy? All right. Bobby yeah. McFerrin. It's uh, going to be a hell of a time. I actually, uh, met Bobby McFerrin. Ooh, save it for the podcast. I will. Hey, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. Uh, rate us on iTunes, review us, subscribe, all the stuff that every other podcast tells you to do. Email us at onehitwonderfulworld at gmail.com. You saw how I went with Alex F. I think we read his email pretty magically, so if you want a little, uh, if you want a couple seconds of magic on the air, send some words over my way and I'll be happy to read them. Uh, yeah, so we are going to close things out with track two off of Bow Wow Wow's 1983 album, When the Going Gets Tough, the Tough Get Going. This is Do You Want to Hold Me? We'll see you next Monday with Bobby McFerrin. Have a good one, everybody. What are we doing next week?